Imagine with me that it's Sunday night at 10 p.m., and you're in the process of making final preparations for the week ahead. How many of us are going to say, what am I going to do with all this extra time I have upcoming this week? Imagine with me that it's the final day of the month, and you're preparing the budget for the next month. And how many of us are going to say, what am I going to do with all this leftover money I have from this month for next month? I think this morning, if I had asked everyone to raise their hands if you were going to say those things, we probably would have had very few to no hands raised at all. The fact of the matter is, the majority of us are overwhelmed. We're busy. We have no margin in our lives. And what I mean by margin is a way in which Dr. Richard Swenson teaches about it. Dr. Richard Swenson is a Christian medical doctor who has done a lot of research in, in writing on this concept of busyness and overwhelm and has focused on this issue of margin. And what he means by margin, he defines it as your personal limit in comparison to your load. So you've got a limit and you've got a load. And Dr. Richard Swenson argues that Everybody basically has their load is greater than their limit. So you don't have any margin in your life. You have more expenses than you have budgeted for. You have more commitments than you have calendar time for. There's no margin in our lives. Dr. Richard Swenson describes the following that really caught my attention. He says, you are 30 minutes late to the doctor's office because you were 20 minutes late getting out of the hairdresser because you were 10 minutes late dropping the children off at school, because the car ran out of gas two blocks from the gas station and you forgot your wallet. I think all of us can probably relate to that on some level. The fact of the matter is, you and I are struggling with life balance. You and I are struggling with priorities. We're struggling with overcommitment. Last week, we started talking about these issues that we're struggling with, and we posted a poll on Sunday afternoon for you to tell us what you're struggling with. 68 people responded to the poll, and the number one issue was, I'm struggling with life balance. I'm struggling with priorities. And so today, we want to ask ourselves, well, what should we do? We want to ask God's Word. God's Word, refresh us so that we can overcome this struggle so that we're not overwhelmed, but that we have margin that we're actually living out what our limit is according to how God designed us and made us. This issue of being busy and overwhelming is affecting every area in our society. Two examples this morning. First is this. Willow Creek is a big church in Chicago. Willow Creek has done tons of good all around the world. They've created a lot of resources, a huge church. They've been doing a research study recently, and this is brand new in the last two weeks. Doing a little research, they found that out of every four Sundays, people were going to come 1.3. 1.3 out of four is how often people were coming in the door. That's regular attenders at church. The issue this morning isn't to make you feel bad about 1.4. That's reality. It's painting a picture of what's going on. The second issue that was really interesting to me as I was reading some of the work of Dr. Richard Swenson was he had done some work with a professor at George Mason University by the name of Brian Kaplan. Brian Kaplan had done some work trying to understand 
family dynamics, like how's these new busy schedules affecting family life? So they went into the study with a hypothesis that kids needed more time from their parents in order to succeed over the long haul. What they found actually was something very surprising, was that kids were not wanting more time from their parents. And some of you parents are like, I know that thing, they don't want more, more time. What was interesting though is what they found is that what kids wanted from their parents is they wished their parents were less stressed and less prone to anger. They found in the family lives of what was going on is they found that kids were being more affected by the stress of the parents and the anger of the parents and how they were responding than the fact that they were spending less time together as a family. And Dr. Richard Swenson argues that that which is driving the stress, that which drives anger, is not so much an evil heart, but what it is, is it's an overwhelmed heart that can't respond appropriately in the heat of the moment all the time. That's what's going on in our homes. So what do we do? This morning we come to a famous Bible passage of Jesus interacting with two women. And one of the women, Jesus says, oh, thank you. You're doing well. But one of the women gets chastised a little bit by Jesus. And this story has become famous. Mary and Martha, people have written books about it. And uh, sometimes we label ourselves Marys or Marthas. Well, let's get clear something up this morning, though. We write personality. Somebody's got the Mary personality. Somebody's got the Martha personality. Guess what? We don't know anything about the personality of Martha or Mary. We don't know if Mary was more of a doer than Martha or Martha was more of a doer than Mary. All we know is that at this one instance, when Jesus came to their home, Martha was distracted. And then Jesus teaches us a lesson. We want to understand how does what Jesus is saying affect our lives. So we want to start this morning by saying, renew and refresh our understanding about the issue of priorities and setting schedules. And the first truth I want to share with you this morning is this, and that is, There's no magic formula. There's nowhere in God's word where it says you should work 43 hours a week, sleep 7.2, donate 13 to your local school, and go to your kids' extracurriculars for five and a half. There is no magic formula in here. There's a couple of principles, but minor principles at that. I mean, really, only two principles. One is the principle of a Sabbath, a day of rest for worship. That's a principle. It's a big one, but it's a principle. The other principle is the principle of a tithe, setting aside 10% of our income to give back to God. But outside of that, there's no magic formulas of, of how much or all of this different stuff. So you've got to get this in your own mind. So many people are wandering around with fake expectations that they think God's put on their life. When God hasn't given some magic formula that this is the exact way, the exact amount of time or the exact priorities to have, There's just a lot of unclear stuff. So there's no magic formula. Tell yourself that this morning, no magic formula. When I was working at the golf course, I used to have to cut the cups on the greens in the morning. So the guy would go around in the morning, take a can of paint and kind of mark where he wanted the cups um, cut. So I would do that in a couple weeks after doing it. I thought, hey, I suggested to him, like, hey, there's no reason for you to go around and paint. I'm like, why don't we just follow a pattern? We'll just one week we'll do it this way, and then every four weeks we'll just fall into that pattern, and I'll know exactly what we're supposed to do. He says, well, that's not going to work. He says, where the cup goes is completely dependent upon a bunch of different stuff. One, it's dependent upon who we're expecting to come play that day. 
Two, it's dependent upon where the wind is coming from that day. Three, he says it's dependent upon how we mow and how we've sanded the greens recently and so forth. So I'm like, oh, well, okay, it's not as easy as I thought it was. Because it was what? It was dependent upon conditions of that day. And so there was no magic formula, rotation of how you could set it up exactly right. The same is true in our life. There's no magic formula for how much you should be volunteering right now. There's no magic formula for how much extracurricular you should be involved in. Because guess what? All of us are in different seasons of life. Sometimes you're in a season where you should be volunteering more. Sometimes volunteering less. But you've got to pay attention to the circumstances going on in your life. There's no magic formula. The second truth we need to understand today is this. Good things often become God things. C.S. Lewis is a famous author, and then Pastor Tim Keller from New York has picked up on a lot of his work and picked up around this theme of idolatry. And Tim Keller argues that the basic message of the Bible is pretty much this. Have one God and no other gods. That the primary problem that the Bible is dealing with is the issue of idolatry. And Pastor Tim Keller says it this way, it becomes an idol when a good thing becomes a God thing. So for example, all of us have hobbies, right? Pheasant hunting, sports, crocheting, cooking, different things that we enjoy. They're all, that's all good stuff. But oftentimes that good stuff becomes God stuff. It's a problem when athletic events are determining our emotional well-being for beyond the moment that you're there. Is there anything wrong with athletics? Absolutely not. Athletics are a great thing. They are a gift to create discipline, a gift to create athleticism. Great thing. But guess what athletics are? Simply that, a temporary gift. Oftentimes, though, they're a god. They determine everything about us. We've got a challenge in our society. Not just with that, but with other hobbies as well. When my life revolves around a noon game for the Vikings and everything kind of fluctuates around that, that's a problem. So you can't talk to a stranger because you've got to make sure to get to the noon game. Okay, that's a problem. Whenever something or someone other than God is determining something about you, that means that that thing has become a God. And I know when I look at my own heart, there's a lot of good things that oftentimes become God things. The book of 1 John, which is towards the end of the, the Bible, 1 John chapter 5, verse 18, it's the final verse in the Bible. It's, I mean, it's the final verse in the letter, 1 John. It's the final sentence of a letter. And it's just this weird sentence. It finishes simply by saying this, Dear children, watch for idols. Keep yourself from idols. Just this weird one sentence at the end of a letter. What is this all about? Why? Because anytime we place someone or something in front of God, everything else falls apart. The first commandment of the Ten Commandments is what? You shall have no other gods before me. But before he gives the first commandment, he says the following in Exodus chapter 20. I am the Lord your God. So he's saying, hey, you already have a God, so why are you putting other things in the place of God? When it comes to priorities in life, we've got a challenge. We've got good things that have become God things. Another way to think about it is this way. Who is setting the expectations for your life? Or what marching band 
are you marching to? What dance music are you dancing to? Who's setting the rhythm of your life? Too often in our lives, do you know who's setting the expectations or the rhythm? Our neighbor. I know I'm guilty of this. Not necessarily our literal neighbor, but people around us. I look at our neighbor's life or we look at our neighbor's life and we say what? My neighbor's life is the life I should have. And then what do we do? We believe in our own minds and our own hearts that what they have, what they experience, is what we should have too. Well, what happens then? Our neighbor just became our God because they're determining our expectations. We need to tell our own hearts this morning. We need to remind ourselves that it's not our neighbors who set the expectation. God sets the expectation. My neighbor's life does not have to be my life. Let's say that together. My neighbor's life does not have to be my life. Just that alone would drastically change our lives. Just because your neighbor gets to do X and Y, that doesn't mean we get to do X and Y. It's not just this human right all of a sudden. Your neighbor may even be a Christian, and they do it a certain way. That doesn't mean it's the absolute right Christian way to do it. My neighbor's way does not necessarily have to be my way. Because oftentimes when that happens, good things become God things. There's no magic formula. Some of you are disappointed. That's okay. There's no magic formula. Second thing is, we've got to be careful that good things do not become God things. The third thing is this. We need to infuse Christ into our calendar rather than putting Christ on our calendar. Infuse Christ into our calendar rather than putting Christ on our calendar. There's a big difference. Colossians 3 that we read earlier in our service, verses 12 through 17, is encouraging us. It's saying, hey, be clothed with these types of characteristics. Have this type of character. And then it finishes by saying, and whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Very simply saying this, in all of life, honor Jesus. Jesus doesn't just get a slot on our calendar, 10.30 to noon on Sunday morning. You know what Jesus wants? Jesus wants a spot at the table on Sunday afternoons. Jesus wants a spot in the boardroom on Wednesday afternoons. That doesn't mean you bring your Bible into the boardroom. That doesn't mean when you get together with your family, you have to have a worship service. What that means is this, is you're representing the character and the purposes of Jesus Christ wherever you are. Some of us, we leave so guilty. I know I need to make more time for Bible study. That's true. But at the exact same time, guess what? We've got a lot of people who are doing plenty of Bible study. But Christ is not infused in the rest of their calendar. Jesus wants to influence everything. I've said this before, and this just changes the way we think. Jesus is too big for a priority list. It is not faith, family, work. that's, That's wrong. It's not that at all. At different seasons of our life, it's different things. But guess what it always is? It's always Jesus influencing everything on that list. So your priority list is constantly going to be shifting in different seasons of life, but the question is, does Jesus affect it all? One, there's no magic formula. Two, 
We've got to be careful that good things do not become God things. Three, it's all about Christ infusing all of our calendar. And I know what some of you are thinking this morning. This isn't really helpful, Pastor. I need help with my calendar. I need help with my, with my priorities. The challenge for us is this. There's no just easy, magic little steps to take to solve your busyness. There's no magic little steps to overcome your feeling of being overwhelmed. There's only a life to experience when we begin to enter into the life of following Jesus Christ. When we enter into the life of following Jesus Christ, our thinking is reshaped. And when our thinking is reshaped, our priorities begin to shift around. We begin to have a new outlook and a new way of understanding things. So really this morning, there's really only one practical action step that we need to take today. One practical action today. Your PAT today is very simple. You need to schedule seven minutes a day at the feet of Jesus Christ. Schedule seven minutes a day at the feet of Jesus Christ. You might say to yourself, well, Pastor, you just said a moment ago that calendar, Christ is supposed to be infused into all of our calendar, not just a portion of it. That's right. But to infuse Christ in the rest of our calendar, guess what we got to do? We have to hear from him. Jesus isn't just some weird wind that comes from the clouds. Jesus is a real person, a real being that's made known to us in real words, written in real language, the Word of God. So we encounter Jesus when we open up the Bible. Seven minutes a day, you might be thinking to yourself, that doesn't seem like much. I don't know if it's right or wrong, it's just what I use. I use the number seven because it's the Sabbath, kind of represents perfection and wholeness. You might be thinking to yourself, our pastor only spends seven minutes a day in personal devotions? Yep, that's it, that's it. Sometimes I'm praying while I'm driving. If I got some extra prayer time in there, I got prayer time. Seven minutes a day in personal devotions. I'm sorry if I disappointed some of you. I spend other time in study and things like that for work, and then other times in personal deep study. But seven minutes a day specifically saying, okay, I got God's Word open right now, working through the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, whatever I can get done in four minutes, and praying through then whatever else in three minutes. That's it. Why? Because I need to sit at the feet of Jesus to have my thinking reframed. And then that guides how I interact with everything else. If you and I don't begin to create some margin in our lives, we're going to miss out. We're going to miss out on so much. And the only way to create margin, there's no easy gimmicks. There's no easy gimmicks. The only way to create margin is to reframe our thinking and to understand God's purposes so we can act with confidence when we're setting priorities and allotting our time and our finances. If I told my daughter today and I said, hey, Elsa's going to be at McKinnon Park at 3 o'clock, I tell you what, we would be at McKinnon Park at 3 o'clock. There's no way we would miss McKinnon Park at 3 o'clock. It wouldn't matter how sick anybody was, you're going to be there at 3 o'clock because no one's going to miss Elsa. And if you missed it, what would happen? You'd hear about it. Thanks. And it wouldn't be that friendly, oh, it'd be, you know, the old tantrum on the floor for a while. You wouldn't miss what? Something so fantastic. There's certain things that some of you, you won't miss. 
you will not miss this event or that event. Guess what, though? Because we've lost margin, we've missed Jesus. Do you know why the big deal about Martha? What was Jesus so upset about Martha? Martha, hey, you're anxious and troubled. Where did Jesus want Martha? With him. Martha's problem was not that she was serving. That's a good thing. Martha's problem was that Jesus was there. The king of the universe was in her home. And guess what? She missed it. You and I are missing Jesus every single day when we drive by that homeless person and don't have time to stop. Because you know what Jesus says in his word? That when you serve them, you serve Christ. Every single day, we're missing the joy of Jesus when we miss the joy of the simple moments of playing in the leaves or watching a Cubs victory and enjoying it for what it is. We miss the joy of Jesus when we miss the joy of those moments because who created those moments? Jesus did. And the only way to get back and enjoy those moments, the only way is to create margin so that we don't miss Jesus. I struggle with priorities. I struggle with life balance. If that's you this morning, there is no formula, but there is a God who wants to meet with you each and every day through the written word so that you can encounter him, so that you can know him, and so that you can be refreshed in relationship to go out and to be his son or his daughter throughout the rest of your day. Let it not be said of us that we missed Jesus because we had no margin. But let's find Jesus each day so that we can then infuse Jesus in the rest of our calendar. Let us pray. Everlasting God, we acknowledge to you this morning that oftentimes as your creatures, we struggle managing everything you've given to us. We acknowledge, God, as your creatures that we've taken good created things and we've made them like the creator. God, forgive us for our idolatry. Forgive us for idolizing our neighbors. Forgive us for treating hobbies like they are must-haves. And God, I pray now that you'd waken our hearts to you, awaken our hearts to your hope and your joy. I pray for anyone this morning that's just completely buried in overcommitment. God, I ask that you bring someone in their life that can walk through this season with them. And God, I ask that you'd burden their hearts this morning, that you'd free them from any expectations that are not of you. But God, this morning I ask that you'd free all of us to live in the freedom of being your child. Thank you for who you are, God, and what you have done. We praise you, God, for you alone are great. You alone are our God. In Jesus' name, amen.